Hi everyone, this is the Comics Deserve Better podcast, and I am, as always, your co-host with the co-most, Brian, and with me are my other co-hosts with the co-most, Darcy and Richard. (laughs) Good evening, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, secretly, I am... uh, I know that you guys are the best podcasters out there, and I'm secretly stealing your abilities, and I'm going to make them oh, <laughs> We'll get back to that in a, in a little bit when we, when we talk about our main topic here. But we have a big episode, so let's go ahead and get started. We actually have news today, and I'll hand over the mic to, to Darcy on this one. It is um, but expected news if you've been on comic book Twitter, but um, Bone which was most recently going to be adapted for animation on Netflix has officially been canceled, uh, most likely due to that whole thing with Netflix being an asshole and canceling a lot of its, Mm -hmm. all of its animation uh, that's in production or was in production uh, was officially announced by Nick Cross and then passed around through uh, pretty much all of um kind of the rest of 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 media this last week so uh there's no question a lot of people were speculating when netflix started doing their whole oh we're changing up how we're doing everything we're saving money blah 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, but that has officially been confirmed now so there will once again, everyone got their hopes up. Maybe this is going to be it. We're finally going to get uh, some other form of media adaption for Bone. Nope. Once again, nope. This has been a crazy journey for this, and unfortunately, it's ending this way. And- yeah, it's kind of, there was a, what was that joke, Uh Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman kept saying about Good Omens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry, uh, Terry, Pr- I was Terry Pratchett that used to make it. Neil Gaiman says he doesn't believe there's going to be an adaption of his work until he's sitting in front of uh, the screen eating popcorn. And I just don't believe there's going to be adaption of my work that's ever going to be made, kind of thing. <laughs> and this kind of feels like that. <laughs> that's funny that Neil Gaiman would say that about. Or about the popcorn thing when he's like the most adapted author right now but yeah and yeah. and uh apparently at the screening of good omens uh there was a seat for terry pratchett and they put popcorn oh, in it which that's is pretty cute. cool that's that's awesome so maybe bone so, will get there someday yeah i but it sounds like uh, did you see the comic that jeff smith uh yes. yeah he with the the snoopy homage where yeah the football with the football and he's basically yeah. i think that's him giving up essentially yeah, yeah no it was definitely him <laughs> yeah. giving up. It was, a little, yeah. it was pretty heartbreaking yeah. yeah it was very much heartbreaking and and for hopefully i mean things might turn around maybe something else will come up but i understand i mean like fool me once shame on you and you know fool me five times uh, extra media versions of, of the adaptation i can see where why he's feeling the way he is absolutely so, yeah and so, I'm fully of the opinion that shit does not need to be adapted. Mm-hmm. A lot of things should not be adapted. I am of the opinion, like, not everything needs to be adapted. Come on, Sony. We got that news today of what's his name, like that absolutely minus F tier. <laughs> oh, <that>? yeah. 
L something or another. Who is that? He's been in like two issues. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that's been in two issues of Spider-Man. I have Ever. no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> so- Sony's Sony's making a movie, an actual full movie of some Spider-Man villain. He's, I don't he's know, like a, side a character, luchador, a luchador like character. a luchador character that's been in two whole solid issues of Spider-Man, making a film around him. You know what? Um, I'm gonna co-sign it because if DC <laughs> was like, if DC was like, y'all gonna make up a Wanna Beast movie. I would be there. And Bawana Beast is in like six well, issues over 50 years or something stupid like that. Sony <laughs> had planned years ago oh. to make that Black Cat Silver Sable movie. Where's that? Like, why not make that first? That's true. And, you, you know? And the Spider Woman one that they were talking about. Or the Spider Woman one. They could yeah. do a Spider Woman one. No, yeah. make this thing about so, who knows who. El, Mur- El Muerto. And but it's um who's they got they got somebody famous to play him. It's some rapper yeah. that I didn't recognize because I'm, I'm very uncool. Trying to remember who it was. Something with a bunny. Yeah. Somebody oh, uh, oh it's bunny? bad bunny. Yeah, bad bunny. Yes. yes. I'm very uncool. I'm very old and very uncool. I mean, also, yeah. I mean, he's a Spanish language artist, so <laughs> that's not your jam. It's yeah, totally okay to not know who he is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, if you're not, not listening to a lot of Spanish music or Spanish rap, like it's totally okay to not know. Who I'm very not. Is. So we're not fantastic. At the end of this episode, don't worry. <laughs> that said, like uh, Darcy, he's insanely popular. Like when he yeah. does shows down here in Miami, it's like that's the whole city. Like he's the, the city's assignment editor, editor. When Bad Buddy comes to town, like that's all that goes on here for for three four days. It's it's a bit wild. The pictures people have been posting of him, his aesthetic's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not against him as a person based on the pictures I've seen. I don't <laughs> know anything. I still would prefer a, you know, Black Cat Silver Sable movie Absolutely. just based on what I know of those characters. But again, just to move us back to the original thing, like, you don't have to adapt everything. And if they can't do this, I wouldn't want a forced adaption. It's kind of, again, going back to Good Omens, like, it's probably good that it took forever to adapt Good Omens. Because what we eventually got was Neil Gaiman coming in and doing it himself. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. And Neil Gaiman admitted it was a hard process. But what we ended up with was something that was good. And and loyal to the source material and and honest to the source material so that's cool so we don't want something shitty that's adapted a bone exactly that would suck i think and it sounds it sounds like netflix was gonna i mean i don't know if netflix is gonna do something shitty but we all know now that netflix treats their animation people like shit so that's not cool yeah. Well, we we oh, I have to defend Netflix for a moment. We don't oh, know defend that. away. <laughs> Netflix is running a multi-decade uh, Ponzi scheme, so it's not their fault that <laughs> just that when it came time for a bone animation, that that's when the chickens came home to roost. But like that's what's going on. Like when yeah. Netflix was having its big push, like in the last half decade, every year when they were coming out with a movie a week and all these shows that were super popular, they weren't turning a profit. They were just you know, leveraging stock and, mm. you know, financing more shows. So at some point that was going to become unsustainable. I, I just feel that it's 
unfortunate yeah. that it's at the expense of bone but like yeah. they put together quality stuff like i'm annoyed because oh. i think that the bones cartoon that we were are gonna get from netflix was gonna be quality like it was gonna no. be something good oh, but- absolutely I'm I'm saying the people in their oh, animation yeah. studio oh, they yeah, treated absolutely. like crap. Well, oh, like yeah. that's the thing. Like, like I I do feel not. I'm joking about a defensive Netflix, but like this is a house of cards, pun intended. And I'm like, when when I started hearing the news recently about what's going on at Netflix, I was like, well, yeah. If you never turn a profit at some point, this is how that you know this is what goes down. Exactly. And they just kind of kept you know leveraging stock, and that's an unsustainable uh, unsustainable business model. And it's not like they don't still have, you know, like growth numbers, like they were posting their growth numbers and they still have mm-hmm. growth numbers. Is that that whole infinite growth? They still want to have infinite growth. So they've got to cut back. And it's like, as you know, you can't uh, whatever. Uh, I'm just going to shut I up. I mean, business and capitalism. It's a shitty. It's shitty, business shitty and capitalism. Game. Exactly. <laughs> They're not going to throw your hands up. And it's just like, oh, where can we? Exactly. This super expensive thing that takes a very long time that like when it it could be a too too long for it to turn a turn a profit and come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Oh, cut mm-hmm. that. Oh, mm-hmm. do people, you know, spend all their is this someone's life work and everything that they uh you know spent their passion on? Screw you, person. Like mm-hmm. that's just what it is, and it's terrible. But like mm-hmm. this is what I like, I like I just am unsurprised that this happened to Netflix because it seemed obvious that it was gonna happen. Yeah, sometime soon that dam mm-hmm. was gonna break, and it was gonna break right, hard. Exactly, and and the thing is, is that once you're playing with the big boys, your Disney's, your Amazons, yeah. your 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 Apples, like yeah, they they just have more money and resources than you, and they and once they're you know Disney was able to take all their libraries back, mm-hmm. you know, and NBC, you have you know, I mean, <laughs> and, and NBC. And- and HBO, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. When they were the only dogs in the in the pool, I don't, I'm mixing analogies here. You know, it was it was uh, you know, it was fine. You know, it was all like, hunky dory. Yeah, because like you know, I mean, like if they if they didn't have a success on a on a show or or a movie that was original, they still had like The Office or Friends or something. You know, to, to and all out. that stuff is going away. All and those the, networks have their own streaming services exactly. Now. And so, so yeah, but. The, old, the, the the thing that crushed me is that uh that that uh comic that uh he put yeah. out is just heartbreaking. Like, is. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's who I feel the worst about. And my whole thing about adaptations too is that the only reason why I like to see something adapted is because it gets more eyes on the original source material. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it's just it's a shame that something as as famous in the comic book world as Bone is that it can't get constantly getting Bone. Yeah, it's bones getting boned exactly. So sorry, I had to. It was right. I, I was I was thinking of that pun the entire time, and I was trying. I was like, "Am I going to say it, or maybe Darcy or Richard's going to say it?" But well, it's never going to be me. <laughs> well, you never know. Um, but but yeah. Um, and and you know, I mean, like, and Netflix has has released quality animation. I mean, like, Invincible was theirs, right? And that was no, no. That's an Amazon show. That was Amazon. I, I lied, but but no, they uh, but like uh, Castlevania for one, and they've had some other good animation. Yeah, Castlevania and, was good. Uh, what, what what's the uh, the the Matt Groening show was pretty good. Oh, uh, Disenchanted. 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 Yeah. 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 So, so like they make quality stuff. That's that's like the real shame of it is that I think we're we're missing out on something that was going to be very very good. Exactly. And you know, mm-hmm. just into thin air. And, and, I mean, hopefully we get something or maybe someone will pick it up because they has to be 
in production far enough, I would imagine at this point that like there's something that would be salvageable. You one would hope. Yeah, definitely, and hopefully someone will pick it up. Uh, you know, I've always kind of hoped for it too. And DC had talked about doing it for a little bit, but the um, the Jeff Smith um, Bone. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeff Smith um, Shazam series. That, oh uh, yeah, they were talking about making that into an uh, anime. What's it called? What is it called? The monsters. The 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 monster society of evil. Yeah, monsters. Yeah, Shazam yeah. versus the monster society of evil. Yeah, that was a really fun book. And and so I, I, I remember mean, I picking those up as they came out. His his artwork is very kinetic, and it would just be nice to see. You know, it seems animation. super conducive to animation. Yeah, and, and they've got a really good animation. Yes, so it's just they. Yeah, they put they put good time into it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I prefer Bone cartoon, but if if, if it's going to be Shazam, that's that's fine too, you know. But but hopefully something good for Jeff Smith because that's at the end, you know, I suppose who I want to want to be successful with this. So yeah. Also for Jeff Smith, hopefully, hopefully he gets to keep all that licensing money up that mm-hmm. was paid up front. Yes, please. Yeah. Surely. You know, Surely. If, if, capitali- Surely. if capitalism is going to screw you on the back end, I hope it blessed you on the front end. Yep. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, are you guys ready to? I guess we'll go ahead and go on to our next section here, or unless you guys have anything else? Nope. Really quick. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Let's do DIY corner. Uh, actually, um, we talked about a David F. Walker uh, uh, book last uh, DIY corner last week, and uh, this is going to make it two weeks in a row. Uh, we're going to first talk about uh, a book called Week in Funk. Uh, it's presented by Jellybean Johnson of uh, the the funk fame, multiple bands throughout his career. Uh, so it's a curated book. Uh, mostly it's going to be written by multiple writers um, featuring stories about Prince, George Clinton, Cameo, Tina Marie, Clive Max, Cool in the Gang, Betty Davis, Rick James, Sly Stone, James Brown, Zapp, and Jellybean Johnson himself. So that's a nice pretty amazing <laughs> group of, of funk artists and i and like comics about music have been have been really popular lately and like it's it's kind of a new genre that's emerging uh which is kind of cool because like you know even though obviously it's an audio medium it's about adding visuals to to, to uh to sound and this is kind of the same thing where you're adding visuals um it looks good uh david f walker is is writing some of it uh, stephanie williams is going to be as well Jim Mafu, Joe Eisma, Gary Phillips, Joseph Illich, Meredith Laxton, Uko Smith, T.C. Harris, uh, Greg Burnham, Hannibal Taboo, Julian Volage, and Fabrice Soplonsky are all the creatives so far that are on this. And the artwork looks cool. There's some really cool uh, um, prints, uh, portraits in here. And yeah, it looks like it looks like a lot of fun. And uh, if, whether or not you're a fan of funk, you know, it's it's visually it's, it's appealing. Yeah, no, that sounds fun. It's a lot of the music I listened to in high school, so it sounds a lot of fun. Yeah, it does sound really dope. So they are, as of right now, this just started, I think like three days ago. So they're they're only at 12000 out of their $35,000 goal. I can understand that with like the rights to, that they have to acquire in order to, to write stories about these, these people. Uh, and there's 27 days to go. So... Uh, the it that's of Tuesday, so it'll be twenty five uh, once this episode comes out. So the as always, link will be in the uh, in the um, description as well. We'll have it on Twitter and everything. 
Okay, well, I got one more, but I'm going to uh, we're going to get Darcy sandwich here. Uh, Darcy, do you want to go next? Okay, uh, I've got from Black Eyed Books on fundraiser, a monster and assorted baggage, a Black Eyed Books double feature. So it's Monster by Mariel Ashland Kelly, which is a black and white book, and Assorted Baggage by Matthew Daly. It has met its funding goal, but you can still contribute and buy uh, to get it uh, and it has 23 days left uh, as of Tuesday uh, assorted baggage is really neat uh, it's all like four panels and it's uh, very graphic in the um, like graphic designy type sense not in like violent or sexual it's um, kind of like this ducky looking thing with like long arms it's it's really um design heavy and hyper colored it's super interesting it's wordless or textless um and it's the um it's like shape-shifting um with like this duck finding things in bags i don't know it's super weird super <laughs> interesting i'm really into just like the visuals of it obviously the visuals because it's it's textless so that's what you're going in for mm -hmm. it's i i think it would be interesting for like little kids to just look at and obviously me apparently because i just i've been really fascinated looking at the thing monster by uh mariel uh is uh less eye-popping crazy colors because it's a black and white book um and <laughs> it's got text in it uh, it's about uh, a, a person who comes back into town after a while uh, meets a friend uh, of a friend who kind of seems interested in her and she's surprised by this idea uh, but this fog keeps uh, rolling in and she kind of loses this person in this fog uh, that keeps like following her and she's having weird dreams um, and like memories are kind of clouding her out and it's kind of like weird and I've only read a couple of pages of it that's available for you right now uh to to read as a um you know like to check in on because so you can't see a whole lot of it there's a lot of like black space obviously it's black and white but it uses a lot of like negative space uh to it's like creepy as heck I don't know it's really interesting I liked both of them they're incredibly different for like a double feature or whatever mm -hmm. this is they are so different um I don't know they both look really interesting uh, if you're looking for something that's similar style, this definitely is not it. Uh, but I, I don't know. They both look really interesting, so something to check out. They're both very, they look very appealing, both of them, and <laughs> for for different reasons. And they're both for Toronto. very different reasons. Yeah, they're both Toronto uh, creators, and you know, kind of cool <laughs> that you're seeing. Obviously, Toronto's a huge city, so um, there's going to be a yes. lot of eclectic stuff coming out of it. But it's kind of cool to see. This this like color gasm book with with no words and a black and white uh, you know text kind of book you know your standard comic book um, style coming mm -hmm. out and out of the same place and it looks good it's not it's not too expensive either for both books I mean and um, yeah like the both I find it very appealing for different reasons. Very much so. It, that's kind of what it is. It's they're they're very appealing for very different reasons. Yeah. Hey, if, if one they're of the both appealing, 
but I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like assorted baggage before. Yeah, was- <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's 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 kind of almost like I don't know if if it were you'd think it was a some sort of like puzzle book or something yeah maybe? like it like it looks like a coffee table book like you just lay it out and you know while you're entertaining guests you they flip through it kind mm-hmm. of yeah 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 that makes a lot more sense like but it's kind one. of also comic book layout because it's got those mm-hmm. four panels kind of thing as right, opposed right, right. To like one big each page full yeah i i don't know and it could they kind of tell a story those four panels they seem to i don't know mm-hmm. but, but yeah, yeah but that's it- not- that hyper color really draws you in those those yeah, bright it's just hot super eye catching. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they would make really good prints as well. I, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the um now yeah, if one of them looks cool to you and the other one maybe is not your your taste, and then get both and give one away as a present, you know? Like and I think you can buy it looks like you can get them separately, like um digital copies of them separately. Okay. That's yeah. a good way to go yeah. too. Yeah, there's different tiers, and yeah, you can get them together or separately. Yeah. So also, let's just say this. Um, yeah. In the last few weeks of the podcast, like some stuff has gone down with Kickstarter, but there's all sorts of like I, I I've never heard of some of these fundraising or crowds uh, funding uh, sites, but I'm happy that like no, we got some healthy alternatives out here. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the um, I know. The two I, I brought to the table are Kickstarter, but yeah, we've been getting Zoop and then this one's what fundraiser with mm-hmm. uh, with no E or no vowels. Um and <laughs> <laughs> the uh, and then and obviously like we talked about uh, the potato go or tapato go. Mm-hmm. Tapato go, yeah. So so yeah, no, it's great. It's great to to uh, to saturate the the market so it's not mm-hmm. just Kickstarter out there. Or mm-hmm. and also it's probably you know, better rates, you know, whatever yep. the Kickstarter fee is, you know, because you have options. Once you have competition, it's exactly. better for the creators. And then Iron Circus is doing it themselves now as well. They're doing their own crowdfunding, which is pretty cool, oh, cool. as well. So because they were using Kickstarter until all the, the hubbub about Kickstarter came up, which apparently they're 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 stepping back on the whole crypto thing. They're they're supposedly last time I heard this that they're not going to be blockchaining it or they're doing they're it. Reconsidering, they're reconsidering. I thought. It. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I've heard. Which I understand when all of a sudden everyone's like, "Bye," <laughs> you know, like when you did that. So, all right. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and go to with my next thing here. Uh, so I came across this one. It looked once again just the artwork was really cool, and. Um, it's Forest Folk, uh, Volumes 1 and 2, which are quirky animal comic strips for all ages. And I, one of the first things, I, I know we always have to, like, in our first episodes, we always talk about, you know, the kind of things that got us in the comics. And I remember, like, the first, like, comic books I was getting were from, like, the scholastic book fairs. And they mm-hmm. were, and they were, like, the Garfield or, like, the, you know, like, the comic strip adapt books, the like Calvin Hobbes books and stuff like that. And this... Um, not only is like the artwork very like reminiscent of of that kind of style of the comic strips, uh, especially a lot of a lot of Bill Watterson in, in the artwork, um, and and then but um, also the the books the physical copies of the books are in the same shape as like the old like Garfield comic like uh, collections, which are like kind of like long and and like kind of like. The length, the the height is very short, but it's a very long book to kind of have the whole entire strip in there without having to uh, 
to jam it into a, a small page. It's basically kind of like about um, this, this forest with the, this fox that's kind of up to no good uh, shenanigans. That's what it says in the in the description here. Um, there's a bear that's also a barista named Barry the Barista. And uh, there's grumpy cat Gus. <laughs> I, know. I love puns. And so this is this is up my alley here. Uh, there's a basically it's a it's Thomas the happy go lucky elf uh, whose magic drawing cool can conjure solution to any of their woes most of the time. So it sounds like magic going wrong, which is always kind of fun too. You kind of you can kind of go anywhere with that kind of uh, with that kind of plot. So um, you can get um, just volume two. Um, you can but um, both volume one and two are are available together. If uh, you want to get both, uh, both the physical and digital copies, can- yeah, n- n- nostalgia always pulls a little bit. That'll, yeah. that'll, yeah. that'll get you wanting to buy stuff a little bit harder than pretty much anything else. It looks. Really I'm cool. flipping through it. It's another book with amazing colors. Yes, yeah, like I like the art style, but just the colors. Like I feel, um, I get just the panels I'm looking at. I get like Invader Zim type of vibes off of it. I can see that. Yeah. The- I can but much brighter. <laughs> yeah, well, little little brighter than that. But yeah, I can I can totally see that as well. But yeah, I definitely see kind of like a, a Bill Watterson, like um, Calvin Hobbes slash, like I do kind of see, um, you know, all your classic uh, comic strip style in here. But it's definitely its own thing, and I like it. It's pretty cool. Anything that has a uh, love of toast and coffee in the morning is fine with me so all right we'll have the link in the in the thing as well for this um all right so we'll go ahead and go to our next spot here which is our spotlights my spotlight today is um i, I checked out a, until my knuckles bleed volume or issue one by victor santos uh put out by behemoth and so this is a first issue and you know you know it's mostly set up so not too much happens but i love 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 the premise for this book and what the premise is is that uh we're following uh a former superhero by the codename damager but uh this is a book that's kind of placed right now in our modern day so 2021 2022 ish and um you remember how when we if you read watchmen they had the Minutemen, and they would show you like the throwback to how their era was of superhero. Mm-hmm. So this is, think uh, a superhero from the 90s. So this is a guy who was like once on Team Youngblood or on X-Force, hyper-violent, pouches, big guns, big everything. And now we're catching up with him 30 years later. Like, and it was like a government sanctioned thing. So now the government doesn't need him anymore. Him and all his colleagues are dealing with PTSD, broken bodies, the damage from whatever experiments to give them superpowers, and just out here trying to live life as normal citizens after, you know, being the top tier superheroes and being discarded. But uh, uh, Victor Santos is doing both the, uh, the, the writing and the art. It's absolutely beautiful. When they do flashbacks to their 90s exploits, it's all in black and white and looks really good. But like he just kind of lives a depressed life. He's he's a uh, bouncer at a strip club and he's very upbeat of everything. But he's just if you ever met someone who like has lived a hard life and you could just see it wear on them (laughs) as they've gotten older and just seems like someone whose body is constantly in pain and he's just kind of, you know, dealing with it. But that's just kind of issue one. There's really not much action like they're just 
premising this dude's life and it's just kind of crappy and it's just kind of like you know the government used him and abused him and once he was no longer useful they discarded him that sounds about accurate (laughs) (laughs) no not not a government they wouldn't do that to him to a person that was good and helpful helpful to them that's not what they do darcy totally compensates them afterwards sure Oh um, god. No, the so, other. so, so depressing. So, <laughs> so it's it's the VA for superheroes. <laughs> More or less, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm digging the artwork. Uh I, I've never seen anything by Victor Santos before, but this is pretty cool. I like I like this. Yeah, no, um, I, I think um I, I came across it at the comic book shop, but, and uh, it was already issue, you know, like I think up to issue three is out. So I just grabbed issue one to just give it a look. But yeah, no, it's a fun little read, nice little premise. I mean, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. I like the name the Until the Knuckles by Knuckles Bleed. That's a pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That that's what caught me was the title. Yeah. Like I was just like, okay, what's going on over there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm looking through the through some of the artwork here. This is pretty cool. I like it. And even even made made a twelve panel. There's a there's a twelve panel uh, page, and it looks pretty cool. <laughs> and usually twelve panel pages get a little too much. So uh, to connect it to our uh, earlier uh, conversation, so he was married to one of his teammates. They're now divorced, but you know they have a they get along, mm-hmm. and he basically pays her like voluntary alimony she didn't demand that they didn't go to court but you know he he does seem to be a genuinely like good person though he's you know damaged uh, mm-hmm. or he was the damager and now he's just damaged there we go there's mm-hmm. our pun in this segment mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah so he just like pays her voluntary alimony but he's also not making much money so he's trying to have a heart to heart with her where he's just like hey can we cut down on some of these streaming services that we pay for but she's she's currently asking him for money she's like oh actually i was gonna ask you money for like this universal equivalent for disney plus and she's just like (laughs) kind of like you know with everything that we went through like cartoons are kind of you know keeping me happy and sane and i was just like damn too real it's too too real real. (laughs) Mm -hmm. nothing better to put on in the background sometimes than that oh but yeah that that hit a little too close to hope definitely (laughs) But yeah, oh, it, it sounds pretty cool, and like I like, uh, um, it is kind of nice to see a kind of modern twist on on uh, on this genre, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the you know, it's definitely oh, just just the just the the hook of where are they now for something like young, you know, a '90s comic book character where everything was just hyper violent, yeah. hyper masculine, testosterone, 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 and what happens to that person, you know, 30, 25, 30 years later. Exactly, because usually it's it's like the gold age or silver age style, hero. right? That, and I, we haven't really seen a flashback to the nineties, um, right? Because yeah, I, I mean, even by the standard of how we talk about comics, like everything after like eighty seven is modern age. Like you know, after Crisis mm-hmm. of Infinite Earths, everything's modern age, even though it's you know we're getting inching closer and closer to that being forty years ago. Yeah, very close actually. Because none of us want to think about that. <laughs> nope. We're all not, not addressing all. that issue. <laughs> not a couple point. years ago, or uh, more than a couple years ago, but they, they were celebrating the uh, 20th anniversary of Marvel Knights, and they put yeah. out a series. And I was just like, no, no, no. But I remember Marvel Knights <laughs> as the new hot thing. <laughs> yeah. It can't yeah. be 20 years old. Because I remember yeah. when they was like, oh, my God. Like, look at this new refresh on these characters that have been, you know, that they yeah. have been languishing and it's like no no that's old now 
and we're yes. celebrating it's there. Absolutely. And just Horrifying, was, but accurate. When they, when they had the uh, anniversary for Ultimate Comics as well, that was another oh, one. God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. Like, hey, it's a new modern Spider-Man 20 years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. that, oh, that burns my soul. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, hey, you know, I we got good stuff back then. And, you know, well, did we? I, I think we did. <laughs> we, we had some good stuff. Uh, we, we, did we? Feet returned. <laughs> There was no feet in the in the mid to late nineties, and feet have come back in comics very prominently. What did you say? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm oh. my I think my oh. ear clogged. It sounded oh, said, like you said he made a life joke. Yeah, feet. Said oh, okay. I just say feet. I'm yeah. sorry. It was a life. Thank you. It was a life filled joke. I was so confused yeah. for a second. I, I was like, did you say feet or Pete? And I was like, we didn't lose Peter. Are you saying feet? <laughs> Peter Parker. I, I hate being a life belt defender, but I will go to that for the fact that the art is good in the 90s. It's post 90s that he was smelling himself and the art just gets progressively worse. Yeah. The art. From the, yes. I kind of like, like, like I, go look at those new mutants issues. There are feet. The art is pretty great. And yep. then it's, yeah, it's one no, of these I situations agree. that like the more popularity and money and power he got, then he just uh, became a slacker. Mm-hmm. The more people made fun of him, he got defensive about it. It got worse. It got worse. Yeah, but like I like I remember reading the I, I had never read his new mutants run until a few years ago. And I was just like, this is fine. What is everyone talking yeah, about? And I flipped bad. through uh and I flipped through uh, you know, the late 90s stuff and the early 2000s stuff. I was like, ah, this yeah. is what they were talking about. God, this is awful. Yeah, like the, the beginning of X Force and like the end of New Mutants. Yeah, no, no, those X Force issues are gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. But- Yep. No, I agree. All right. Well, this looks really good as well. And it's nice to see kind of, it is kind of weird to have 90s be the nostalgia, but it's, uh, I know, remember it so like, vividly. Yeah, exactly. Me 90s too. was a long time ago. It was perfectly fine. Don't to say have that, Darcy. If you say it, it makes it true. Well, <laughs> my, I mean, one of my favorite albums of all time, um, Pavement, uh, The Slanted Enchanted. Just celebrated his 30th anniversary, and that, that made me feel old when, when that when that yeah. happened. And so, because all right. you are, <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I, I admittedly am old. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about things that make us feel young and youthful, like good comics, <laughs> right? Uh, well, Darcy, uh, actually, you know what? Do you mind if I go next? I'm gonna. Go I next. do not. <laughs> all right. Well, I chose Slumber. Uh, issues one and two. Um, two came out of a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is a new series from Image. Uh, it is written by Tyler Burton Smith. Uh, Vanessa Cardinali is the illustrator. Uh, Simon Robbins is the colorist. Uh, letterer is Steve Wands or Steve Wands, and uh, covers by Nathan Fox. And the the artwork is definitely what kind of grabbed me on this. It's a very interesting kind of cool kind of gritty style artwork um it's a very gruesome book but the artwork kind of softens the, the gruesomeness and the blood and guts that so basically this is a story about stetson stetson based her job uh she is a dream slayer she goes into people's nightmares takes care basically literally kills the uh the nightmares it's kind of cool how they do it. it's kind of a monsters inc style 
way of, of entering dreams. They they hook up the person who's going to be dreaming into on with a helmet that's connected to like a door that and once that door is activated, it, they can literally walk into this person's dreams. And they take care of uh, modern ways with like little shotguns and knives and swords and and uh, it it's uh it's a very it's a very um, abrupt book, but once again, like I said, the art's pretty cool. The premise is, is pretty pretty nice because like you know they they show um, stories of of them fighting um, weird carnies as well as the zombie beetles and uh, a few other kind of crazy things. But at the same time, what's been happening is people there's been these things called the sleepwalking killings going on. And people are literally waking up in new places, finding out that they murdered somebody. And uh, and there's these weird symbols all over the, the wall. And plus, um, in, in, in regular English typing, um, you know, bring me the death, e- the, the, uh, the, the dream eater. And so what you find out is there's this, this uh, dream or nightmare named Valkyra that is possessing people, trying to get the attention of Stetson, which is kind of funny because Stetson's actually looking for Valkyra because Stetson took, or Valkyra took something away from Stetson, which is why she's very grumpy of a character and uh, very surly. Uh, but, um, and so, so they're finally, after the issue two, they're finally going to be meeting each other soon. Um, but, and um, it's not going to be, very pretty it's well the artwork's gonna be pretty but it's not gonna be pretty between yeah it's it's a fun little book the characters are fun Stetson like I said is surly she has an inner monologue and then she fights with her inner monologue vocally like it'll like her brain will say something and she's like no shut up I don't want you to, I don't want to talk about that right now or think about that right now so it kind of has she's kind of a little unhinged but I don't think she sleeps that much because of the whole dream thing so I can kind of see why. But yeah, it's definitely uh, a very gruesome book. A lot of blood, a lot of guts. But like I said, the artwork makes it palatable. It's fun. Um, I have Maiden Volumes 1 and 2 by Florence Dupre uh, Latour. Um, it's a uh, Europe comic or Europe comics comic. Mm-hmm. I don't know kind of like DC Comics comic. <laughs> um, it is, uh, if you like Turning Red, I guess this is a comic to read after that. Uh, it's a autobiographical comic about Florence herself, her, her childhood and teenagehood. Um, she grew up... Um, She's French. She grew up in Spain with her family. And she says she grew up in a fairly conservative kind of household where you didn't really talk about um, like menstruation or sexuality or anything like that. Uh, Except she says when she was about 13, her family had this like dinner table joke. um about like her mother would tell it about um her sister where her sister got married and at the like when her sister and her sister's husband went up uh at the end you know when they went up after they got married uh 
I guess a couple of minutes in, I don't know, an hour in, uh, her sister ran down and was like, oh no, he tried to take off my panties or whatever. And the whole table, everyone, the kids, the father, the mother, they laughed. And she says, you know, we all laughed uh, that, you know, my mom said we'd leave a girl so unprepared for marriage, but I had no clue what the problem was because I didn't know what the joke was. (laughs) And that's kind of what the whole story is about. Um, She said after like, you know, she talks about the story about her sister who was a baby at the time, like touched herself and uh, it, you know, her mom was like, oh no, you can't do that. And was obviously embarrassed by it, but it's just, you know, it's a baby. She's not doing it to like masturbate or anything. She's just a baby. Um, But she's like, oh no, my baby sister, baby, like this is a baby again. My baby sister's a slut about it. Uh, She's so, (laughs) it's like, she's talking about her period (laughs) and her mom, you know, she's trying to skip going to, like the pool or the beach when she's when she's on her period I like I don't know if they don't have tampons or something she's trying to skip going to the pool or the beach because she's on her period and her mom won't let her um but her brother's aware of what periods are and knows she's on her period and makes fun of her the whole time and so she's like ashamed of her body and she's ashamed of her teenagehood and it's all of this discussion Uh, these books about like the shame around uh, the female experience of um, or or the the shame around these things you know the shame around uh, not necessarily just female obviously but the shame around periods and the shame around sexuality and the shame around bodies period specifically hers because it is a uh, autobiography and the harm that this can do because it is about harm it's about the harm she went to because of it and there's some other stuff in there too she makes some really interesting um commentary about like uh race and socioeconomic um uh issues because they were expats or immigrants to that area and they were wealthy and so like the position they held in society and how they were able to do the stuff they were able to do so it's a really interesting story and really she tells it really interestingly the arts really um uh you know i if you read french comics they just look Mm -hmm. a lot different than the way western comic or western comics the way american comics are drawn uh, or the way uh, uh, Asian comics are drawn, if you're more used to reading those. So it's just really unique, really, really personal. Uh, I, I really enjoyed reading what I read of it. it it's just, I'm not done yet, <laughs> but I, I really liked it. After Turning Red, which was so, I don't I hate to say light because I cried like five times, mm-hmm. but comparatively very light, uh, very fun. I loved it. It was very personal for me in a lot of ways. This was this this hit me in a lot of different ways. As conservative, not in the same ways because my mom wasn't as closed off with me as this. Uh, but a lot of people I knew were this closed off. 
Um, and and is, it is horrifying. It is traumatic to not have this knowledge of your body. So I, I really liked it. It was really interesting. It looks really nice. And, and the yeah. artwork, um, it, once again, when we're talking about nostalgia and the, the, art, the artwork is nostalgic to me because when like Nickelodeon and like the cartoon, like mm. those cartoon channels first started, they had yeah. nothing but like European cartoons. It's like mm-hmm. very style. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm enjoying the art style and, and yeah, th- that's, that's something that I think just recently we're finally kind of getting over is like the embarrassment of like sexuality and like, you know, puberty and all that kind of stuff, because it's, it, it is traumatizing, you know, especially for, for, for girls. Um, and, and like, and, and I can almost just imagine it just feels like, you know, like no one else is going through this for some people, you know, and it's like, who do I talk to? Because no one wants to talk about my period, you yeah. know? Uh, yeah. It's, you know, and, and it's such a weird taboo. And I'm kind of glad that, that there's books, you know, stories like this are being told so that we don't repeat our, our mistakes and yeah that's what i was gonna say it is wild that like we're just now getting this type of context uh content you know with these type of things for 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 you know young women and young men like people should know you're gonna deal with women (laughs) yeah yeah but like i feel like you all this stuff was cornered up either your parents told you or you learned it from school that's it so it is mm-hmm. nice that, you know, to just have this, like, you, I mean, we talk about this all the time on, on the show, but like, no, no, on top of this being good, it's just good that it exists. Like it's absolutely, it's existence is providing a service. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it looks, it looks pretty and it's entertaining at the same time. So yeah, the coloring's really good. I liked it. Well, no, no, no. I like it. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, I guess. We'll go ahead and go on to our main course if you're all ready. It is main event time. Main event time. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, our main course, our main event is the Book of Human Insects by Isamu Tezuka. And this was Darcy's choice. And so I'll go ahead and hand it over to Darcy here to let us know why you chose it and a little brief synopsis of the story. Also, spoilers going forward, just so you guys all know. Yes. Uh, yeah, and uh, content warning, uh, there will be discussions about probably uh, weird sex shit, mm-hmm. uh, suicide, um, domestic violence, domestic violence. Yeah, it, uh, there's a lot of bad things in this book. It's a fascinating book, but there's a lot of just badness. <laughs> in there. Yeah. Right before we recorded, Richard said that it's a good book. You know, but with a lot of bad people. Yeah, in it. the main character's a horrible person. Uh, everybody else takes kind of go from her. So, yeah. yeah, content warning for all of it. So we'll just start from there. Okay. Uh, I mentioned the book of human insects at least one year ago as a spotlight mm-hmm. and kind of kept it in my head as something I wanted to do. So that's kind of why I'm doing it. I also thought maybe we could kind of step back and do something a little less modern. Uh, just as something fun to look back at sort of the history of comics. Uh, This uh, Tezuka, you might know, uh, he is kind of like the godfather of um, manga. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is responsible for um, 
everything. Astro Boy, <laughs> uh, Kimba the White Lion. So he's responsible <laughs> for the Lion King. <laughs> did you enjoy Lion King? Yes, yeah. did you enjoy so Lion King? He's responsible for that. <laughs> exactly. um, it's kind of a loop because Tezuka is heavily influenced by Disney. Originally, um, Snow White was hugely influenced in Snow Tezuka was hugely influenced by Snow White, which helped him to create uh, some of his earliest work, which was like uh, Princess Night. So if you've seen Princess Night, you can definitely see like Snow White from that. And then he came back and Lion King comes from like Kimba the White Lion. So there's this nice loop there that I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and if but, you ever so, wondered why anime art has those big eyes is because we exported Disney movies yes. to them and they were just like, oh, this is how it's done. And, and made them bigger. That, <laughs> <laughs> made them bigger. But that was exactly. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, he's also, you might have read his uh, Buddha books. He made a nice big um, biography of Buddha, which is fantastic. Uh, most people, I think, in the West are, are really familiar with his uh, children's comics. But he's also fairly famous for his uh, more young adult or adult comics. And this is one of those. Uh, it's a Sinan book or a young, a, a book for young men. Um, and uh, it's kind of very obviously that there's a lot of boobs in this book. Lots of naked <laughs> ladies. Um, uh, it came out in 1970, 1971, something like that. I, I think it was serialized. So it came out, I think, from 1970 to 1971. Mm -hmm. And you can feel that in the comic, I think, very, very clearly. Uh, his art style, even though it is from that time, is still very heavily Tezuka. So <laughs> if you've read Astro Boy or if you've seen Kimba the White Lion, <laughs> very yeah. cutesy figures. They remain very cutesy figures, even, even while they're doing weird sex shit, Guilty which is fun. For me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so that's very interesting. It's a very interesting thing when you're going to a more adult book, but you still have a uh, very kind of cutesy uh, shoujo shonen uh, uh, manga figures. So that's mm -hmm. enjoyable thing to know about uh, Tezuka's manga. So he's this hugely important figure in the history of comics. He's kind of got this cutesy manga um, uh, art style, but he also writes these incredibly sexual crazy awful characters for adult manga read mw mm -hmm. that's a good alternative as well so there's the um next oh go ahead i was gonna say there's one character design in this book that is in every um tetsuka book and it's a uh, mr mizuno yeah i yeah. feel like that character like that character in some variation is in all of this book yes that yes. I've ever read. <laughs> yes. The the handsome like the same, man. The handsome man with that hairstyle, where depending on the angle, one uh, half his face is covered with hair every time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so general plot: Toshiko uh, is a kind of beautiful young woman who we meet as. Uh, this rising star in the literary world. She's just written uh, a book 
she's being called the woman of talent. She's written this book called the book of human insects, you know, cute title card. Um, she's won this prize for it. Uh, it's being hailed as uh, so important. She's written like a man. This is amazing. How, how could she do such a thing? Um, in this journal, <laughs> 1970s. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. Uh, she, this, uh, as she's leaving the award ceremony, uh, this uh, reporter rocks up. No, yes, whatever. Um, a, as she's leaving, uh, Mizuno, Mizuno rocks up. A reporter rocks up. We get a couple of people. No, Mizuno rocks up. I'm getting myself confused already, and says, "So." this woman that you know has killed herself and it's the woman who wrote the actual book that you've stolen. And so we're given this idea already that she's a plagiarist of this book. She's now famous from then this reporter comes in and this reporter has kind of caught on caught wind from him that maybe this isn't the only time this has happened. And so we learn through this long series of the reporter, her previous manager from the theater claw and a lot of other people. It just happens a lot of times. So I'm not going to go through each and every time she is basically a, a thief of talent. She's not a woman of talent. She's a thief of talent. She goes, she finds a person. She starts, as far as we know, as far as the story tells us, at the theater claw. And she goes as a high school student. She goes up to one of the, the primary uh, lead woman she kind of attaches herself to her. She learns to mimic all of her acting talent. She steals that talent. And then she wears out that woman so much that that woman quits. Since she can replicate her talent so well, she's able to stand in her place and she takes her role. And then she does it to the next person and the next person and the next person. And that's what she does. Mizuno knows this. Because while she was at the theater, Mizuno was a designer for the theater. He designed posters or something. And she fell in love with him and he with her and they became fiancés. And while they were falling in love, she was stealing his designing talent. His dream was to go to school in America or something like that. But he was also going to enter this competition she secretly stole his design and entered the competition before he could do so with his design. Um, he found out about it, uh, finally figured out what she was doing with the whole design stealing and left her, uh, had to go become like a menial, terrible designer at some small firm somewhere in Tokyo and has now, he comes in and out of her life constantly knowing that she's this horrible, horrible woman as she continues rising through the theater and then rising through the rest of her life. She becomes this amazing 
you know, she writes this book and becomes this amazing book person. She attaches herself to whatever and whatnot. She becomes the lead of everything that she does. Um, she hires an assassin to kill a couple of people who find out about her. She kills the tabloid reporter. She doesn't kill Mizuno because she's still in love with him. Um, she gets um, kidnapped or she gets in a relationship with the assassin briefly. She's not really. Uh, she gets taken to South Korea. That whole bit's a little fun because yeah. um, they make uh, some sociopolitical statements or Tezuka makes sociopolitical statements about Korea and Japan that I was actually kind of impressed with for that period of time because there's not a lot of owning up with J what Japan's do what Japan had done to Korea uh, during in the past in Japan at that period even still today a lot of people won't own up to it yeah. uh, and Tezuka was from mm -hmm. the Korean side which I was kind of really impressed with so that was cool um, she is jailed uh, but is rescued by a top executive from a firm in Tokyo who she they kind of seduce each other because they're both awful people <laughs> she a little bit more of him than he of her um I still don't know why I think they're just both awful people <laughs> yeah I think she finds another person to, to get like to she, get she definitely finds no, she definitely just finds another person to get talent. I don't know why he's so interested in her. No, no, remember, he but, no, he says it. He says that basically she was just a, a conquest. He was just like, I wanted to sleep with someone super talented, beautiful, and accomplished. And no, I've done that I get thing. that. But also, no, I'll get I'll get there at the end. At the end of him, I guess. Um, <laughs> so they they do the sex thing. I, I say as a true asexual um, <laughs> and, then, and then they get back to Japan which is like the terms of their deal or whatever yeah. um, and she makes another deal with him to good lord get married so that she can become the wife of a CEO and they, they have a full on contract like a bet um, they they make a bet, but they also have this contract yeah. of all the rules that she has to follow. Like she has to quit being an author. She can't do this. She can't do that. It's all really on her side, but she's pretty sure she's going to win. Like they can't fall in love with one another. It should basically be a rom-com, but they're all both awful people, but also so are people in rom-coms. So, you know, it could be a rom-com. It probably is a <laughs> rom-com. What am I saying? It's unhealthy to, to say the least. So. It's very unhealthy. It's kind of like uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. It's yeah. kind of like that. That's kind of their relationship. During this period of time, uh, we're still kind of seeing some things that are happening to Mizuno. Uh, Mizuno meets a woman who looks almost exactly like uh, Toshiko. So the story keeps telling mm -hmm. us she kind of doesn't. She doesn't in the art. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Right, thank you. <laughs> thank yeah. you for saying that because I was so confused. I was like, 
Like I'm literally, it's, I'm it's... like literally, like <laughs> slanting the book, and I'm like, maybe. <laughs> it's useful that she doesn't, because you can always tell them apart. Yeah. But true. also, they never appear on page together, but like twice. So it's yeah. like, eh. I don't know. They keep telling us they look alike, but it's kind of like if you've ever seen Blue Seed, like those two girls never look like Momiji and Kade. They don't look alike, and they're supposed oh, wow. to be twins and look I perfectly alike. I haven't thought alike. of Blue Seed in so long. Right? It's like, oh, they're twins. They look exactly alike. And I'm like, you're lying, okay? Yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> this is the same thing. Do they look alike? I don't know. They don't seem to. Maybe if you took away their hair and clothes and just put the little tiny bits of their faces, they've got well, the same faces. Well, mm, I don't you, believe. When them. they dress like each other, you can still tell who's who. So right? even then, yes. you know, even then it's not necessarily that way. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's know. a whole setup for one gag. Yes. Really, I shouldn't say gag, but anyway, a gag. Plot twist. So, <laughs> plot twist. So, uh, he falls in love with her because she's like to initially because she looks like Toshiko but isn't a monster. Um, yeah. She used to be a geisha slash prostitute. Um, she's the ward of his boss or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, oh, not a boss, a client who isn't paying him money. He's like, but let me introduce you to this hot lady. And so he does. And um, he's like, oh, you're may, super may, pretty. I, may I interject for a moment? And I know it's a different era, different country. And maybe I'm just too quote unquote woke. But the <laughs> transactional nature that women are treated in this book. Oh, it's uh-huh. so, like, I might, like, so I, get, like I can read a pure period piece and like, yes, Yes, it's bad. It's terrible. But it's just so freaking jarring. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like, no, that was just the human being that you were just speaking to that you're immediately treating like a thing. It is wild. <laughs> and like, and no one calls it out because to quote grandpa, apparently that was the style at the time. So <laughs> that was the style. The they time. all wore onions on their belts. Exactly. Listen. Thank you, bro. It's bad. But it's, yeah, it's, it's so jarring in the book that like every time there's a woman like you know it's it's just gonna be bad it's It's gonna gonna not end well Mm -hmm. i mean because they're all awful exactly somehow (sighs) okay so (laughs) he goes to her and he's like you're awesome and by awesome i mean you look like my ex-girlfriend who is a monster (laughs) but you're not so much a sweet person which is you're as hot as my ex-girlfriend but you're not a monster this is perfect not a monster she's very modest and traditional because being a prostitute is fairly traditional i guess i don't know but she's not a prostitute anymore so that's good yeah. well the whole um, thing is like a is like a decades-long tradition yes thing, exactly so, that's yeah. what i'm saying yeah exactly um but she they get married and so that's cool and she they're doing this while well the same time while um Tashiko's marrying her future ceo and he's doing his future ceo stuff and being wily and whatever he's doing uh and they're moving on with their lives and Tashiko's being sneaky good for her mm-hmm. um and she gets pregnant and she doesn't want to be essentially right it's is- very much right yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't want to be pregnant. She's never wanted to be pregnant. She told him she did not want to be pregnant. 
And he's like, fuck you, I want you to be. They always knew this was going to be a temporary relationship. They went in knowing that. (laughs) And he didn't care. Uh, So this was bad. She's going to get an abortion. And he said you could not. And he's really... Oh, before this, she found out that um, uh, Mizuno was married and that uh, his wife looked just like her. Again, this is a setup for a gag. So she is having to get around him to try to go to the doctor to uh, get an abortion. So she goes to Mizuno's wife to switch clothes with her to go to the doctor to get an abortion. She's getting followed by... Because she's getting followed by the husband's secretary. Yeah. Who's also Uh, his mistress. Who's also his mistress. Mm-hmm. And it's her mistress. <laughs> you know, as, as it co- oh, but not out. yet. Yeah. Later mistress. Yes. Eventual mistress. Um, and uh, so she goes to the doctor, gets the abortion. Because she tried to get the abortion earlier and she couldn't get it without her husband's permission. But she can get one as a geisha. Right. right she, no, to be. She, she can't get it legitimately without her husband's permission permission and he somehow has spoken to every back alley abortionist oh, he that tells her this. yeah that like she couldn't go to somebody shady either yeah yeah like basically he's he's like you know used his resources to contact everyone in the uh abortionist underworld to like Lord. forbid her in particular but you know once she's dressed as somebody else it's easy peasy who she also happens to look exactly like that doesn't make any sense i'm telling you Not this guy needed to be yeah. taken out anyway I, i'm just so glad so, that women's reproductive rights are, are just so much better nowadays are so safe yeah. just yeah. the it's most just, safe so great that, that just the done. safest so, they've ever been <laughs> so while we live she in a hellscape this, yes we do <laughs> absolutely sorry so sorry while, so while she does this the secretary's following uh the other wife the lookalike his name I've completely forgotten because who cares about her and she passes out because this whole time uh she's been hiding like cancer or something yeah yeah she has like terminal stage four cancer it's very she's had an she's had an std because that causes cancer right She she had too much and she the, had too much sex was the, that it the boss forced That's her to the, have multiple abortions and multiple all, abortions that was all it. that kind of stuff and yeah and that caused cancer it just got her unhealthy yeah and she got cancer right and the the secretary tells her husband so the husband thinks she's sick. And, and then he eventually that... figures out. No, yeah, he eventually figures out the switch. And yeah. then he figures out the switch. I was like, was there something else between that and the switch? Anyway, so the husband's mad at her, and that whole thing goes on. And it's she takes a long time, almost an unreasonably long time. <laughs> But not really, because it's a fun part, I think. I enjoyed it. Uh, She finally decides, what should I do? Probably something I should have done earlier. Uh, She doesn't think that I do. She could have cut the whole thing with the, the, you know, 
switching with somebody else. So she just would have seduced the secretary ahead of time. You know, she could have done that first and we could have switched the whole gag. We didn't need that. Just seduce the secretary. So she spends time seducing the secretary. That's a much better idea. Uh, so she does seduce the secretary and is able to get into all of his documents and she's able to undermine him. And that's how she gets out from under him. Uh, and so she's able to, oh, he managed to, to get through, he's been rising through the ranks and he's able to manage to get in place as CEO uh, through all his nonsense. Uh, and then uh, she's able to get into his safe, find the papers, uh, set him up as being like a fraud. Uh, yeah, it was like illegal money yeah. transfers or something. Exactly. Yeah. So she's able to set him up as a fraud where he's he's now CEO. He's at the place he wanted to be, but she has made him to be the worst person in that company. It's all his fault. Uh, so he calls her and he's like, listen, actually, you know what? I love you. And then kills himself. Uh, so that sucks. Um, did he, you know, he's a terrible person. Who cares? Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, does it though? He's a monster. Because <laughs> he's horrible. So again, who cares? Um, uh, uh, then... Uh, so now she's free again. Good for her. She gets to go back and, you know, steal. She's she has at this point, you know, like she's taken all she needs for him. Uh, so she's gotten all his business acumen and all his like seriousness and whatever she stole from him that during that whole time. Uh, she now meets this photographer who uh, has uh, kind of fallen in love with her uh I don't know, psychoticness. She's beautiful and she's dynamic. And so he has tracked her down every time kind of between people. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I've forgotten this, but I did. How, I, how did I, I forget to mention the too, most actually. wild thing? Yeah. Uh, every time between uh, people that she steals, she goes back to her hometown. Uh, to oh, her God. Yeah. Home how did home. we not? <laughs> how did we not? Uh, she goes back to her childhood home which she has set up to look, I suppose, exactly like it was originally. And in the middle of uh, the floor, she has a wax model of her mom uh, that is dressed. And she goes in and basically just um, regresses to childhood and to babyhood. Uh, she has a room in the back that has, um, I guess, trophies in it. Uh, little things that she takes uh, little souvenirs and she like sleeps in that room with a pacifier and she mm -hmm. breastfeeds on um the wax, the wax model of her mom like she fully regresses to a baby like it is strange really anyway so one this, thing that um, i did think about that was fascinating about that room um about because her and her husband were both monsters. He also, it wasn't exactly the same, but remember it was yes. like every time he had a conquest, he, he bought, bought a doll. like a toy, mm -hmm. a doll. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly a doll because he mentions that he didn't like other toys as a kid. And then, so anytime mm. he did well, his mother bought him a doll. So like that was mm -hmm. his like little totem for success. Yes. And they were the two worst people. In the yeah. They're, they're <laughs> monsters. It's, it's and, awful. and so, 
and, and they both had that like childhood regression inside of them and she mm-hmm. was the worst person and she has the worst regression <laughs> um and and yeah so she she has this she successfully integrated and she goes she she's successfully taken him inside herself all his skills all his terribleness she goes back to her home uh she is having her you know i don't know decompression in the house uh, and this photographer um uh uh follows her he's been assigned to her uh so he's going to track her down to take pictures of her uh she's a widow now so he's going to do this uh and and he finds her in the house and he finds her in the state curled up in this room with this pacifier and he's like well you know unlike most photographers where you take pictures of her and run it on the first page because that's weird um he's like no i can't do this i must respect her i'll take pictures later um, uh, and then she comes out and she's like, I know you saw me. And she begins the process of taking his skills after burning down her house, of course. Um, and she's like, she tells her mentor from the theater, who's also been following her around this whole time and kind of access her like bodyguard, um, you know, she's been talking about going to Greece this whole time, but doesn't really do it. She she begins to like suck his photography knowledge out of him and his photography skills. She blackmails him into taking her uh, uh, into taking the pictures that he took of her uh, away. Takes his camera. Then she goes to Greece um, and uh, like sells the nudes as her own, and you know like exhibits herself as a famous photographer as a photographer with a skill enough to take these uh photos of herself um and has now kind of set herself up as a really fantastic fantastic photographer um and he becomes just one more person that she has um taken the skill of and historians she's fine she hasn't suffered anything there's no home to go back from to decompress she's in another country no one knows what she's done the end she's under a different name everything to, to quote the uh to, to quote the great huey freeman nobody <laughs> learned a lesson no one nobody a learned question. a lesson <laughs> Just, yeah. it, it was so Her ex-husband weird it was so, yeah this no, no, wait, a... wait, but when it ends, it was so abrupt that I was just like, that's it? There's no come up in Yes. Yeah. This None. is a morality tale with no moral at the end. No moral. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, no, no. Sometimes have, you literally sometimes have to find win. your own. Sometimes yeah, no, it's, monsters it's, win. That's the moral. You, you of the literally story. have to find your own by going, I can't, I, I could never do this shit. These people are awful. And by realizing yeah. these people are awful, you go, this is my, like, I have a line and it is before this book starts. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, a very interesting story though, like, was it was like kind of like a talented Mr. Ripley kind of story with, you know, a character who's basically a talent vampire. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, I was going to ask at the beginning of the book, 
did anyone else think that it was going to be something supernatural? Like she was an actual succubus? Cause you know, when they're like, Oh, she steals people's talents and, and like, but also everyone was drawn to her. I thought there was going to be some sort of like supernatural bend to the story. I was kind of surprised when it never came to fruition. I, I, I did too. And, and, and on the succubus kind of idea, I thought that, yeah, I, like I, I was like, Oh, maybe she gets her powers when she sleeps with them. Essentially is what I was thinking. Because there right. was a lot of sexual content contact with her and and these people that she was uh, she was stealing from. So yeah, the the first time I read it like a couple of years ago, um, that's kind of like I read the, you know the 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 back of it, and that's kind of what I thought it would be. Um, but now I've read it multiple times, and obviously no. not well, so much. Um. So I, I, I was about to back cover it when I first started. I was like, no, I want to go in completely blind, mm-hmm. which I appreciated. <laughs> but then when I you know, got to the end, because I expected nothing, one thing that uh, made me chuckle to myself, just like part of my own ignorance. So the blurb on the back describes her as an ingenue, which is mm-hmm. exactly what she is. Yeah. But I'm 38 years old. Up until this point, I had never read that word. I've only heard it spoken. So, like, I'm staring at it and I'm having a moment. It, it was only a moment. Like, I was just like, and I was like, oh, that's ingenue. I've never had to read this before. I totally but, get that. Like, it happens to me yeah. once every two years or something that a word that I know, I just never have seen it in print. And I'm like, huh. That's cute. <laughs> Vice versa, you know, when when you want to say, I have the opposite, only, yeah, yeah, that you've only read, and then you can't say it right because you know, oh, true, yeah, I have that as well. <laughs> yeah, same. Oh, but but so uh, overall, I it was definitely an interesting story. I really enjoyed it. Um, Tezuka's art is amazing, and yeah, I I I've only read Astro Boy or seen Astro Boy, <laughs> so right. so so I was like. Oh, okay. It kind of reminded me of um, the Lilo and Stitch. So the the person who did all the character designs for Lilo and Stitch is a cheesecake uh, artist, and so oh, that's fun. And, and yeah, and a lot a lot of her um, or a lot of his artwork looks a lot like um, the the uh, the older sister of Lila. Mm. And mm. so mm. that was it. Was kind of the same thing when I when I first saw his work. So after, you mean hot? Yeah, right. yeah. Just say hot. <laughs> she's <laughs> hot. But but like but like seeing like the the characters that I associate with like a kids movie in you know like sexual positions and you know not or sexual situations, it was kind of like the same thing with this like Tezuka. You know like like oh wait wait mm-hmm. the, the the girl from uh, Astro Boy why is she naked now oh okay <laughs> yeah but uh but no um. But enjoy it. The only the only critique I have is when when they were getting into the husband's working deals, mm. and, and they were talking, and he was talking about the deals that he was making with China and like Taiwan and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, to me, it got way too in depth, and it kind of just like fell. Yes, that- I would agree. Yeah, that could have been a few pages sh- shorter, but a lot, that, of, a lot of proper nouns and just a lot of minutia that, like, I, I don't care. Like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. and and I guess it's so that like someone who's in the know could decide whether or not he was actually being shady. But I mean, it doesn't really matter at the end of the story whether or not she framed him or he was being shady and she exposed him. You know, so either way, it might 
it might have been like if it were issues maybe it was drawing it out or something that's true yeah like like doing doing uh like a a, a feature in a magazine or something like that like you were saying like right. it came out um yeah they yeah. were they were trying to make issue a certain number they, of they, issues. yeah yeah they were just pat patting some pages yeah <laughs> But, it was filler. It was filler business. And that was definitely the longest. There's four chapters. That was the longest chapter was the chapter where we got into the, the business minutia. And but Ugh. but besides that, I mean, like, and the thing is, is that it, it, it still was enjoyable, even though, mm. you, know, you know, that, that part kind of got kind of took the uh, the pacing a little. Uh, made a little what, what I will say about that part, the only part that remained interesting is that, like, I have no context of. Uh, what was going on in Japan in the Asian area business-wise in the uh, late 60s or early 70s. Like, I've only ever, like, I've watched a lot of anime. There's one show that's based in that era called Gatekeepers that I've Mm -hmm. ever seen that's, like, right in the Reconstruction area post-World War II. So, like, it's, you know, it was neat to get that context, but it was very dry and boring and stopped the momentum of the story. (laughs) Yeah, as you were saying, that would be my my critique of it. It was incredibly dry. It could have been perked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I would have pulled that down a little bit and pumped up the anarchist story because that was a little bit more interesting. The anarchist story went by super fast. Yeah, they, they... And, and yeah. I was gonna say everything happened so quickly. Like he turns yeah. on her. She's or well, he he's revealed to work for her. Then yeah. he turns on her. Then she sets him up. Then they're together on the lamb, and then it's over. And it's just like, oh well, that, a lot just went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when yeah. I say it's over, that he's dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's possible for like what five or six people deaths essentially, either directly or indirectly, in this story. Ev- everybody oh, that we see on on panel. Yeah. yeah. Responsible. Yeah. Everyone. Think- everyone that we see murdered it- is at least indirectly due to her. Except for the, yeah, guy the that... only only people that make it out alive, Mizuno doesn't die, does he? No, he doesn't. No, he's still, but he's in prison for fifteen years for stabbing yeah, someone. Still alive. <laughs> yeah. And the secretary doesn't die, does she? No, no, she does not. And those are the only well, we... two people, pretty much, that come in contact with her that live. Yeah. Oh, the the manager doesn't die. No, he dies. He doesn't. He, does he? Oh yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. He, yes, he does. Uh, yes, he does. You're right. He, yes, he, he, okay. she uh, poisons him, and he falls yes, off the cliff. Yeah. But she takes photos so that it looks like the uh, photographer did it. That's the photographer does it. Yes, that we, that's it. Mentioned. Yeah. So. Good lord. I and of course, and she learned his skill from him, so she could take. You know, she knew exactly how to position those photos. Exactly. To make it look right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. One thing. Uh, that um again, I don't know if that if it's a real thing, if it's an exaggeration, because you know times are honestly different but the doggedness of the reporters and the photographers like oh i have this story and i'll just break into this home yeah i will just stalk this person and i know that it can't be much of exaggeration because we know what paparazzi was doing you know 20 years (laughs) after that in the 80s 90s but but, but, you know like i mean i feel like it's more toned down now than it was you know 25 years ago you know post princess diana or whatever Right. I don't want to say or whatever. And she was, you know, she died because of it. I don't want to be flippant about it. Yes. Yeah. But like, I, I just found it wild. Like, you know, the first journalist is just like, I'm just going to stalk this woman now. Oh, I got another assignment. Oh, fuck it. I'm going to just stalk this woman real quick. It should be more interesting. <laughs> and like, I'm gonna, I was just like, oh, <laughs> okay. And I'm going to sure. force myself upon her as well. Right, know? right. Yeah. yeah. 
every and everyone gets very rapey very quickly in this yeah. book. Every every that's, like, that's that's boys manga, man. Yeah. Yeah, every every sex scene starts questionable in this. In yeah, this. like it's not e- it's, even. I was yeah. gonna say even the one with the uh, the secretary because, mm-hmm. but she and the secretary. It's just that she's the one that's dominant. She's the one being rapey in this one yes. instance, yeah. not the person that's trying to sleep with a uh, uh, Toby. Yeah. So, but you know, I mean, it was still a good story, and. Uh, sometimes it is good to to read a story about everyone's a bad guy, you know. Everyone's and, a terrible person. And and uh, like and at, and like like you said in the just just a few minutes ago, sometimes at the end of the story, no no one wins or like the bad guy wins essentially. So the baddest of the bad people yeah. win. Who knows? Because <laughs> you're definitely not rooting for. Her. Uh, uh, no, um, no. And when I turned the page and it just said the end, I was like, really? <laughs> really? Because, <laughs> like, the last panel is just kind of her, like, she's not dancing, but it's just kind of her very much peacefully, you know, having a walkabout. And I was mm-hmm. just like, she doesn't deserve that. <laughs> and then a, a rogue driverless car happens to hit her on, after the after the end. <laughs> and, and, She'd still survive it. Yeah, she probably would. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, and that was a, that was an interesting thing too. Is that like, is and I think that that's the mirror of Tezuka. Is that you kind of even though she's the most horrible person of them all, I was kind of rooting for her a lot of times because of how terrible everyone else was to her yes. and around her. And it's like, and it's like I, I know I should hate you, but <laughs> like, but you're like rooting for her to get over because like yeah. every man that she comes across, except for like Mizuno, is. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's a survivor, and I can get with that. That's yeah. true. True. Absolutely. Oh. It was well, no, yeah. really fun she book, and like, like you said, it was nice to read something so throwback. Yeah, I want. I, I think we should. Yeah, we should try to find some more older stuff to, to read because you know that's it's a blank space at least in my in my uh, my book uh, knowledge. So I would like to, to to kind of read some more of these cornerstones. And it was good. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I'm glad everybody enjoyed reading yeah. this horrible, horrible character <laughs> with me. <laughs> like, like I said that at the beginning, like it's legitimately, it's objectively good, but I don't even want to say it's good because everyone in it is so bad. Yeah. Everyone in it is so detestable. Mm-hmm. But like it feels it feels wrong to be like, hey, this is really good. You should check it out. But it is. Yeah, he's he's got a few of those. I enjoy them. But yeah, it's, it's it's kind of that same thing, kind of along that that same vein. MW's that way, and W's worse than this, oh, no. <laughs> but also kind of better oh, than this. Than oh my! <laughs> they're uh. terrible. Those two guys are awful. They're they they're given. Oh God, it's been so long. They're given a a like a a drug. They're they're like, oh, they're like kidnapped or something. They're put in some sort of uh, um. Uh, like test like a test or like a program where they're drugged and they're like stripped of their like empathy uh, human feeling and so they're like so they're like made into sociopaths they're terrible people but these two guys they're just awful but also they're kind of in love but also kind of not because they can't feel love i don't know it's great okay. terrible but that's great. an interesting concept yeah definitely. it is 
But and the thing is, is that I can see the influence that he's had on on any kind of the media. There's you're telling mm-hmm. these you're, you're you're saying the plot to that, and that's reminding me of something. And like I said earlier, this reminded me of like the talented Mr. Ripley. You know, obviously gender switched, but you know it's you know the the, the his stories definitely have prevalence. You know, I, I guess I'm not really you know like lighting anything on fire by saying that he was influential, but you can yeah. definitely you can definitely see the influence in multiple mm-hmm. in multiple genres and multiple things. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of those things where I, I don't know. You can definitely go back. It's it's important to know your I mean, you don't have to know media history. Know your it's roots, interesting. Though. It's interesting to go back and mm-hmm. see your media history. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean Absolutely. he's I I've mentioned Princess Knight a couple of times because I love it, but you know Princess Knight's kind of like your basis for uh, uh, a a lot of Sailor Moon stuff, and Sailor Moon's your basis for a lot of uh, later anime, and, and right. it's just you know you you connect all of these lines, and you don't get to one place without another place. So it, it's interesting it's- to see. You don't have to, but it's interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. And but it and particularly fascinating when you're looking at like the Japanese, uh, you know, manga industry because they never got away from auteurism. Whereas you know, as good as all our stuff is in American comics, like Jack and Stan were like, "Hey, man, we got to just push these books out." You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And they have the same type of thing in Japan, I'm sure. Like the publishers, you know, there's deadlines and whatnot, but it's kind of. No, this is Tetsuka's story, and Tetsuka gets to do it like he's like. There's not really, you know, editorial, you know, pushing anything on him. It's just kind of like, yeah, he just kind of gets to feel it out and do what he wants. And then because of how their art style is that way, you you can more see the that threads connect. And I'm sure you could speak to other manga kind of like, no, I read this and it inspired me to do this. And then I read that and it inspired me to do this. It's more mm-hmm. of a straight line because it's just auteur for auteur, not like, hey, company mandate, we need to put out a Moon Knight book because we got a Moon Knight TV show coming out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you had some, you know, that whole, I, I don't know how every, you know, publisher was doing everything everywhere. But the fact that for so long, uh, uh, there was no creator names on the covers uh, of true. american books mm-hmm. none at all like For you go back time. to to the fronts even a lot of the interiors of a lot of american comic books you've got no names anywhere yeah, in no those. credits at all like they're if your writer's credited good luck artists yeah. good luck like you cannot find out who made some of these books a lot of times just looking at the books you you know people have done the work and found out through other means mm-hmm. um but a lot of these books were made by you know people of color by women yeah. and they are not recognized in the industry or weren't until very, very recently. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we've lost a lot of our history that way. And that's not as much the case. Um, to some extent, it was because Tezuka is heavily recognized as being so much more important uh, to shoujo manga. Um, and there were a lot of really important women in early shoujo manga uh that 
are not highlighted, especially by um, people who read uh, Western traditional or Western classic manga that, that don't get highlighted. And maybe I'll bring some of that in next week because I've mentioned it now. I'll mark it and maybe I'll bring some of it as my spotlight or something. Nice. Um, nice. We could talk but, about uh yeah i mean it's it's just the thing is the fact that they focus individual like the for a lot longer like the creator was arter uh, was art writer and artist that right. makes a difference too you know i i don't know no you know you're definitely correct and like I, I like i'm a big into one piece guy and yeah it's gotten to run with 25 years plus and you know the, the the artist writer gets to see it through to fruition because of just how things are treated over there and that would never happen here one yeah. person just kind of you know freewheeled and doing what they want for 25 years i mean granted it sells amazingly so that's part of the reason why it's able to mm-hmm. be allowed but like it's just not how we do things how we do business here in the states exactly yeah the only i mean newspaper comics i guess right yeah, yeah, I guess. But even then, and also um, those are, are are typically not, you know, uh, like a story. It's you know, yeah. one week to the next. It's just you know, uh, God, what what is the word I'm looking for? It's on the tip of my tongue. Serialized? No. Yes, thank opposite- you. No, no, you're right. Serialized. The, the okay, they're I was like, going to say the opposite. Like, one and <laughs> done. The opposite. One and yes. done. Like yeah. <laughs> Standalone, standalone stories. Standalone stories, yeah. Yeah, um, there we go. the we're but, all smart. But the thing is, is that <laughs> is that Are we? most of the time, like I mean, Peanuts still says that it's being written by um, oh my god, uh, by Schwar- oh my, Schultz. Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz. Yeah. Charles Schultz has been dead for forty years, so it's like <laughs> no, no, it's yeah, only been about twenty. Yeah, they they have a they have a committee, you know, like that basically just writes under the name of these of these people. That oh, do they? I, I didn't yes. know they. I thought they were making new peanuts. I thought they were oh, just rewriting old peanuts. Well, they, they were for a while, and it was and it was basically a committee under the name of huh. uh, of the the original author. I think Jim Davis doesn't write Garfield anymore. That I, think, I know. I think he has a group of people that does it for him. That's why it was. That's why it was amazing. The you know aforementioned Bill Watterson. When he was like, I'm done with Calvin and Hobbes and no one can touch it. You know, like no one's doing Calvin and Hobbes except for me and I'm not doing Calvin and Hobbes anymore. That's why it was so monumental when he did that. You, you know, get cause... that sometimes, I think, in in Japanese manga where you get mm-hmm. people, uh, well, you know, I mean, I guess you get it a little bit more than sometimes. It depends, you know, yeah. so you know, because they all have teams pretty much. Yeah. But I, I think, I don't remember how true this is i might be remembering which book i'm talking about but uh fairy tale by uh mishima mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. he had he, i think by the end someone took over either art or writing for him i can't remember which one it is oh really i, I i'm pretty sure this is true I, I, I correct me if i'm wrong i think you're right I, I remember yeah i remember something coming out about this because he had he had an assistant go off and do a a side book about gray and there was something about somebody taking over something on the main book and it was either writing or art and i can't remember which one it was um yeah i i i swear to god that's i I think it was fairy tale because it was around the same time that one of his assistants went off and started the gray book yeah 
That does on the sense. flip side, last year with Berserk, um, oh, you know, long-running manga, the mangakai passed away, and like immediately, people were like, "Oh, well, maybe his assistants will finish the book." And they were like, "No, no, this is his vision." Right. And without him, there's nothing. And they just released his final chapter with a little addendum, and that is it mm-hmm. for Berserk. Yep. And yeah. people were following that for thirty years. Plus, yeah. Berserk was killed on the way to his home planet. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly pretty much how it ended. Oh, oh, oh Pookie. Yep. Yeah. They... I love Berserk too. That yeah, hurt. Yeah, that that, was that, a, that, that was, was a tough one. I was gonna mention that too. Is that exactly what happened there with Berserk and like how there was a question? And I guess that's the one benefit of like having multiple things, multiple people like be able to take over things. But at the same time, it's you know the single vision definitely you know you're you're more you're more guaranteed to get a, a one full solid story you know because mm. unlike in like the big two comics in the west where every two years everything recycles and mm. right yeah you, you don't get that in in like manga and stuff which is nice did you really did you love the status quo for when you first started reading this book where mm-hmm. we're bringing it right back to the beginning. Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, you, you know the um, the Flash that was around when the the writer was was getting into comics. Guess who's back? Yeah, <laughs> you know. I think the more egregious thing is that is the Johnny Storm thing because Johnny Storm yeah. will have a bunch of character development, and then mm-hmm. they'll be like, "Nah, we like it better than he's goofy. He's like seventeen and self centered," exactly. and, and it always goes back to that. Yeah, like how many how many relationships has he ruined because of that? You know, like he's been in so many relationships. And like not 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 like oh like boyfriend girlfriend like marriages torn apart. Yeah, <laughs> or even like in the dance lot run right now. You know, like like he, literally like a life mate soulmate was found and he ruined it as well. Yeah. So yeah, oh, but and destroyed a wedding at the same time. Exactly, and didn't blame doom for what he did to him so no anyways <laughs> we're not we're not here to talk about i'm i'm also a doom stan so like i i like i know i'm one of those weirdos that likes villains but yeah but i love uh, dr doom yeah. i will not stand for any dr doom slander i, I don't think I, there's I, anyone who doesn't like dr doom he's a good villain my <laughs> so my my brother and sister-in-law visited um uh last week they're 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 the when it comes to marvel they have like no knowledge of marvel and literally asked me, who's this Dr. Doom guy? And I'm like, oh, my time has come. <laughs> I get to talk about that. <laughs> like, 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 Brian, Brian's like, I've been trading my whole life for this, baby. <laughs> grab, yourself, grab yourself a cup of coffee. We're going to be here a little bit, but let's get into Dr. Doom. You know, so maybe we'll have a, a Dr. Doom uh, offshoot show uh, on this, uh, this network. Dr. Doom deserves better coming soon. Yes, <laughs> Doom deserves better. We'll read Triumph and Torment. Comics deserve doom. Okay. It's yeah. so good. Yes, it is. Yes. All right. Well, I think we're about finished then, unless you guys have anything else. Um, any closing thoughts? Nope. It's terrible and it's good all at the yeah. same time. Yeah. You want, if you are a fan of villains, this is a great book to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But even if you're not, it's still it's just well written. It's um what uh just really just really quick a lot of times when you're reading influential works by influential art authors because their their works have become tropes because everyone has like you know used them in the in the future like with the stuff that you've read this is not the case i don't feel i don't i didn't feel this was tropey at all so i, mm, I no. 
yeah, I I, rec- I I definitely would recommend this. In don't don't expect it to be like something you've read before. So yeah. All right. So I guess I'll go ahead and, and close this all out if you're all ready. Mm-hmm. Let's rock and roll. We have reached the end of the show, and thank you to everyone for listening. As always, comics are better at gmail.com is our email. CDB Pod is our Instagram, Twitter, and Good Pods account name. Uh, website, I sound so old saying that. Uh, website, <laughs> comicsisterbetter.wordpress.com. And um, just uh, you know, rate us, tell a friend, actually, please just tell, tell someone about us. We'll, we'll be happy, you know, to, uh, to welcome them into our fray. Uh, Darcy, where can we find you? I am at books underscore serial on Twitter, booksandserial.wordpress.com. And right now I am just listening to and talking about uh, the Squirrel Girl, the Unbeatable Radio Show, uh, which has been great so far. Uh, Paul Shear is Spider-Man, which is an interesting choice that Mm -hmm. is actually working out really well. He makes a good Spider-Man. He does. So uh, good for him. Did they have that little mini doc episode of him trying to get a Marvel project off mm-hmm, the ground? Mm-hmm, <laughs> so here we are. Good for him. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, yeah. He was he did a whole thing on Marvel. So yeah, it, it works out really well for him. And he yeah, his Spider Man's really great. The guy I can't remember who's playing Tony, but uh Tony's really great. Everybody <laughs> that's come in has been really fantastic. They're doing like guest celebrities that are actually celebrities every week, Leah and they've been great. <laughs> Leah Thompson was in it. An episode? Leah Thompson or, was last that week. Was, that was awesome. Who was the first oh. week? I can't remember. Oh, um, it's that comedian, but I yeah. can't remember who it is. The funny guy. It's um, a funny guy. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a really distinctive voice, and I can't remember who it is. He plays like a nerdy guy on a lot of things. So wears yeah. glasses. Right, bro, same. No. no. Oh no. But that, that's a good that's a good guess, actually. Nerdy guy with a distinct voice. That's absolutely. Yeah. Um that's but the first, um, the first I thought of. Yeah. Um the no, I, I think the voice of Tony, uh, don't quote me on this, but it sounds like to me it's the same person who did the voice of Tony on all the um animated uh Avengers stuff for Disney. You could be right. It, it sound, you absolutely it like could be guy. right. Yeah. And it's a it, it's a very distinct voice. It, it it's like it's it doesn't sound like RDJ, but at the same time, it, no. it's 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 still a good voice. It's it, it yeah. sounds like Iron Man. It's, he's good. Yeah, you're right. It yeah. it does sound like that guy. So it might be either that guy or a guy doing that guy. <laughs> yeah. So, but they're doing a good job. It's uh yeah. I I um Apple. I listened on the Apple iPod or channel app, and so they they only had two episodes out so far. Um, but enjoyed it so far, so it's good. Like it, every, Nancy's awesome. Uh, every, everyone, brain drain. Uh, they did a really good job great. On, his, on his voice and his inflection. I, um, yeah, and and it, it's just it's it's silly, but it's uh, it, if you're a fan of the Ryan North stuff, this is Ryan North all over the place. This is definitely yeah, it's it's work. it's straight from that run. So yes. it, it's if you liked that run, if you liked his run. It's straight from America stuff, Koi Boy, uh, Chipmunk Hunk. It's it's all from that. It's it, just it, it's carrying through from that run. So it's yeah, fantastic. It, it literally takes place like like a week after like mm-hmm. the last oh, issue nice. of of the of the uh, Squirrel World series. So yeah, Eat, and there's an Infinity fun. comic to go along with it. 
Oh, is there? I didn't yeah. know that. I have. Yeah. If you at have least at movies. least one episode. Okay, cool. Uh, to, that takes place right before it. How they got the radio show. Oh, nice. I'll oh, have to neat. check that out. Definitely. Oh, it's not just the radio show. It's they're doing a radio show in the show. Yes. They're doing a radio show in the show. Yeah. It's like, it's so like it's a call-in show. Yeah. That's yeah. They've, they've got a call-in radio show and, and uh, they get a call-in on the first show that there's a, um, there's a guy who's going to uh, steal the uh, starry night paint. Is it starry night? Yeah. Starry yes. night painting. Uh, if uh, they stop doing the show and they're like, listen, you know, we just, this is just our first episode or whatever. And then the guy steals it anyway from mm-hmm. MoMA. And yeah, it's, it's the whole thing. So, and uh, they, they accidentally gave him a name of, uh, for him to be the villain with the art, art tour or something. It's something like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty funny. It's, it's a, yeah, it's, 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 it's good. I definitely recommend yeah, it absolutely is it's friggin hilarious i'm looking on mu to see if i can tell you whether or not it's is- a it's the it's the college radio show uh the person before them is a conspiracy theorist college radio show mm-hmm. and she calls into their show because she believes they're faking the whole thing uh just to get their numbers up or whatever mm-hmm and the manager's mad that they're literally broadcasting crimes on on the on the radio. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. But all right, well, um, Richard, where can we find you as well? Um, I'm at Topcat360. Uh, the Heat won tonight, so my yeah. Miami Heat have advanced the second round of the NBA playoffs, and that's mostly all I'm going to be talking about until we win the championship in June. Congratulations to the Heat! I'm glad that they won. Um, Golden Knights uh, probably are not going to make it, so <laughs> I will be. Sorry. I'll be watching more basketball then, so that's all good. All right, um, I'm at Bryson two eight one four on Twitter, Bryson underscore CB on Instagram, and Carrie. She was planning on being on this episode, but things came up, and next week actually was a scheduled day off or week off for her, so. No carry for the next this episode and the next episode, but soon she'll be around, and uh, we will have um, a full house hopefully. So, yay! All right. <laughs> well, for uh, for Darcy, Richard, Carrie, as well, uh, I'm Brian, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. And remember, comics deserve better, and everyone deserves comics. Bye. Bye. Night. Night.